got the two screens, so I can kind of look. And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast hosted by me, Tony Mazur. This is the free episode that's going out on YouTube and Rumble and all the major podcast platforms. But uh, And if you want to hear more and want to hear more of my nonsense, subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. Yes, that is my name. I've uh, been talking about a lot of different things on my podcast in the last you know, couple of well, I, I've been moving, haven't been able to do a lot of stuff and uh, book a lot of guests, but I do have a, a really good guest on today. He's a very, very knowledgeable guy from First Down Scouting. So uh, we go back, what, about 15, 16 years now. It's my buddy Kevin. That's Max. a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. How exactly. many how many months would that be? I, I'm not that good at math, but that's a, well, over I think, uh, isn't it like months. when you have a baby that after two years you stop counting the months? So I, I can't figure it out right, right now. Right, right, right. Right. But uh, yeah, we go we go back, and uh, I remember uh, talking to you on my old 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 radio show, yeah, and I yeah. would book you on. You would, in fact, you used to call into my terrestrial show uh, for a little right. bit as well, and I had you on as a guest. And uh, yeah, now we're yeah. doing this new twenty first century uh, <laughs> technology of this is legitimately I, this is legitimately social media, bro. It really is. And yeah, we're so we're doing the video. So if you're only listening, we also have video. But, uh, you know, you can listen and we're going to talk about a lot of things. And uh, I mean, I do got a pretty red shirt on. They should see. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, we're in. You know, I've got uh, representing threes, which is the uh, bar that we always go to down in Columbus. Shout out to Scott Ellsworth and the gang. Um, So uh, so you are being the scout. We call you this. Mm -hmm. You're called the scout. Ken Bax. And um, since the age of seven, since the age of seven, Tony, by the way, absolutely. And so, you and I were talking off the air, and we've been texting for the last couple of uh, for last week. And you know, I wanted to try to get you on for week one, we could preview the season, but a lot has changed in the NFL season and in the college season, so it almost kind of makes sense having you on for week two. Uh, yeah, where yeah, do you want yeah. to go first? Do you want to go college or do you want to go uh, pro to start? Normally, I normally I would say the college, but I mean, boy, that's <laughs> stuff with the Jets. I don't even mean to laugh because if there's some Jets fans out there, I could understand them having some anguish with me right now. But, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, with, with Aaron Rodgers having that uh, horrific uh, knee injury that's going to put him out at least till next year. And, and you know, yeah, I'm well, not it's, going... it's an Achilles. It's an Achilles yeah. injury. And yeah. that yeah. is one thing. So for folks who are just tuning in, if you're breaking news for people who haven't heard this, it's yeah. going out on Wednesday. Uh, Aaron I wish you had that done for the season. You need to get the sound effect. Yeah, exactly. I'm still working on the stream yard here right now. But yeah, it Aaron Rodgers, who made a big deal. He's going to the Jets and this whole big thing. And then all the ring chasers, the Lazard and the Cobbs, everybody, and yeah, uh, Nathaniel yeah. Hackett went to the Jets yeah, just yeah. because of Aaron Rodgers. His tenure lasted four plays, 11 minutes. It was basically his time as a Jet so far. It's yeah. been from 8.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8.26 p.m. Well, that, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty specific, though. <laughs> That's that's I mean that's Andrew Bogut levels. I know right, here right. locally here in Ohio we had LaCharles Bentley was a situation oh, yeah, where it was the yeah, first yeah. play of the first camp. LaCharles yeah, Bentley goes yeah. down with an injury, but this is one thing that uh, I mean LaCharles was an All Pro. He's uh, you know we've gotten to know him. Over All the American at Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then Aaron Rodgers, this made a big deal for several months about this, yeah. and especially his exit exodus coming out of Green Bay. Yeah. I mean, what does this do? I mean, you, you have teams that have kind of looked at what the Jets were going to do. And we, I mean, we spent so much time on our, our football podcast talking about the Jets. Yeah. Now this season's up in the air. You've got Zach Wilson who's back there. And uh, I mean, they won. Man, that didn't look good. That didn't look good last night. I mean, they the won way. in spite of him. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, talk about, let's talk about the Jets. Let's talk about the East. And I right. guess get we could talk a little bit about week one, but let's look ahead towards the rest of the season. If any of the things right. we saw out of week one of the NFL season are going to carry on, like the domination of the Cowboys, uh, is Kansas City for real or not? The Eagles yeah, kind of had a you know an okay first week. Um, what are some other storylines? Anything? Uh, uh, so talk about it. Well, yeah. First, going back to the Jets, you know, I don't want to keep uh, pounding down on this one, but my feelings do go out to them because if you're a Jets fan, I mean, you was waiting the whole off season for this. 
and then you get four snaps. And 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 the the worst part of it, you know, with a thirty nine, what forty year old quarterback with that kind of injury, he wouldn't even be ready for at this time of next year. Mm-hmm. So we're probably talking what midway next year, even if he comes back. I mean, so you know, my heart goes out to them. You know, I'm not a Jets lover; I'm a Browns guy. But but as far as a fan goes, man, you know, my heart goes out because like, wow. I mean, the buildup and then that comes to that, it, that's, that hurts. But um, pushing on uh, besides that uh, into the NFL, uh, I seen the Ravens won. I'm looking at the East now with the, with, with the Browns. They won. The Steelers got pummeled, which I didn't see that coming whatsoever. Um, and then who else you got? Uh, Cincinnati got beat by the Browns. So right now the Browns are looking pretty good, to be honest with you. I looked at their defense. Defense looked awesome, looked fast, looked aggressive, looked – they were putting the pressure on. Well, and, and, so, I, and I'll say this for the Browns here: it, they have right. so they have a new defensive coordinator. Jim uh, Jim Schwartz took over for Joe Woods, and right, right. the one thing about uh, Jim Schwartz is this is a perfect situation for a guy who has always been a very good coordinator. But Ken, you know this as also being a coach. There are some guys who are great coordinators, but it just does not translate to being a coach. And Jim he Schwartz, stunk it up at the Lions. He stunk it up. Yeah, he was not good, but a very good coordinator. There's a yeah, lot of guys yeah. who can do that. So Jim Schwartz in a great situation where mm-hmm. if the Browns turn around and he can become defensive coordinator and then he can get all the accolades and then be a head coach somewhere. But if the Browns stink up the joint and they come out and start laying eggs after week one and they look in terms of getting rid of Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, then Jim Schwartz is probably going to be the one who swoops in. So it's a it's a good situation if you're somebody who's a pretty solid coordinator who wants to get that one more opportunity to be a head coach. And Mm -hmm. uh, it it worked in week one. But, you know, going back to the Steelers, that's the one that kind of like not so much that they lost, but how they lost. I mean, they got pummeled pretty bad you know and so uh, i'm i'm concerned about you know their quarterback position because uh even with them losing this man that was a lot of points tony what was it 20 something points it was or like, something it was like, like 30 that? to 7 it was yeah. something it was I mean, that, that, that's not like pittsburgh type ball so now i'm concerned about the defense i didn't get a chance to really review the game but like that that's a lot of points right there so you got to be concerned about the overall picture with pittsburgh I know they got Tomlin. You know, he's a good coach. And so if they're losing by – now, granted, this is week one. You know what I mean? You can't put too much onto it, but that that paints a bad picture because now you got to win two to make up for that one. You see what I mean? Yeah. And so um, just to be above 500. So that's a concern for me as far as the Steelers. And, and if I remember right, New Orleans won, which yes. was a surprising one if I remember. I well, can't they, remember. They, they have Derek Carr now. And, it, I mean – See, that's the, that's the one thing you're looking at now in the NFL. You get guys who are trying to make that second opportunity. I mean, we, we saw this with Carson Wentz a couple of years ago. Everybody's trying right. to get that next opportunity of being a quarterback that can mm-hmm. transition from – you know, Carr had some decent years, not great, but not terrible yeah. years with the Raiders. He's getting his other opportunity. He's in a dome, but he's also with the team that's kind of in a – in like a weird holding pattern because you, you had those years with Sean Payton, who's a good coach. He's a solid coach, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's, he looks great. Derek Carr looks, they showed these Instagram photos of him. He, he look, he's built like a Greek God right now. But again, does that translate to being on the field? So Lord. the way, the way I look at it, Ken, uh, kind of looking at overall, as opposed to just going through like the, just each team, I noticed there's a lot of very mediocre football teams, like a lot of seven and ten, six and nine type mm-hmm. of football teams in the league. It seems like New Orleans is one of those. Carolina is one of those teams. It seems um, even Tampa Bay is probably going to be one of those. So that's already three of the four teams I just mentioned in one division that are going to be battling it out for. I guess who wins the division by default? And mm-hmm. I just kind of see this throughout the league, a trend of very mediocre to subpar teams, and then a couple of really good teams. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback play. I think this is a time where you have a lot of talented quarterbacks. They might just be in different placements in in their in their career. You know what I mean? Like you got a lot of good young talent coming in this year, but you know, as it, it's going to take one or two or three years for that for that talent to mature. Uh, they might be talented guys are just not ready, or maybe their their team's not ready for them. It could be a combination. 
But uh, one thing I would say as far as the NFL goes, I'm really looking forward to the future. Oh, I mean, yeah. I think that, I think the quarterback position is, of course, the premier position uh, at any level. And right now, I, I think it's got a bright future. I mean, you you can name off. Look at the AFC alone. That I mean, you got like ten to twelve teams that are legitimate. You know, oh, offense, yeah. offense. As far as look, you got a guy. What's the guy over at the, with the Chargers, for example? Oh, Justin Herbert. When he's not considered really like even like a top two, three guy overall, that's saying something. I mean, you know, years past, that guy would have been definitely probably top two just on talent. But, the, you know, with these days, you got guys that can sling it. They got the size. They can run, you know. So that's why I'm really looking forward to this this season. And uh, it should be very formative. When you look at these quarterbacks, you mentioned the AFC, and mm-hmm. it, I mentioned there's a lot of mediocre teams, but even the mediocre teams have decent quarterbacks. Right. And that's yeah. one thing that uh, kind of shocks me because normally it, it, it's counterintuitive. You would think it would be the opposite where you have mediocre teams because they just don't have the horses. They don't have the guy that's the quarterback who can get the ball right. to them. That It's like um, Baltimore Ravens from a few years ago with Joe Flacco. It, it, it's – okay, it seems like this team is pretty good, but you have a quarterback that's hindering their progress. Instead, I think it's the opposite. Mm. I think you have teams where you have a good quarterback right now, but no one to throw to. It's yeah, But yeah. that's where you have otherworldly talent like a Patrick Mahomes who makes his receivers better. That's, right. the, yeah. that's the true biggest you know <clears throat> the formula to being a great quarterback is not only are you a great quarterback, you can hit the throw, you can hit your spots, thread the needle, but also you make your receivers better. That's why Aaron Rodgers was so successful. That's why Brett Favre was so successful in Green Bay. And so you can have a big-armed quarterback, but if you have no one to throw to and you're not making your receivers better, you're just a bigger you're, – you're Jeff George at that point. You're just a big-armed quarterback with nothing between the ears. Well, you know, I remember you bringing up Derek Carr. And, for instance, if he's your middle ground tier of quarterback, that's, that's a high-low. Yes. I mean, you know, Derek Carr, you know – with the right type of team, you could actually win a Super Bowl with him. I mean, he's he, he's right on that border like with the Cousins type. You know what I'm saying? They're not extraordinary type, A-plus type talents athletically, but they're going to give you the A, B, C, you know, A, B, and C passes that ordinarily that need to be done, and they're going to get your offense, you know, in, in situations that are going to be preferably best for winning. So, I mean, a Derek Carr, if that's the low bar, that that's a high low. You know, and so with the Saints, I, there's really not too many games you can go into. Uh, maybe, maybe your Tampa Bay's, maybe certain teams like you were saying, but there's not too many teams that you can go into going against that you can say, well, the quarterback's the weakness. Yeah, I mean, you, you can say that about Tennessee. For the last couple of years, they've had Ryan Tannehill, yeah, and yeah. Tannehill was a, an example of in the 2012 draft that he didn't even play a game yet rose up the draft boards like several rounds. He, he mm-hmm. was a projected third string or third round quarterback. And I think he was right. picked eighth overall by mm-hmm. uh, Miami at the time. And so Tannehill, he's a guy that he's an, he's an all right quarterback, nothing special yeah. yet. A lot of teams a couple of years ago, all they needed was somebody who's all right, nothing special, just to get the job done. Maybe you have a great Derrick Henry type of running back you can hand the ball off to. Maybe you have a good offensive set, a West Coast-style offense where you don't need – I mean, here, here's a great example. Was Alex Smith. I just watched him on TV last night. He's on Monday Night Football. He's doing uh, the pregame show. Alex Smith was – I've seen that. He did pretty good, by the mm-hmm. way, but go ahead. Yeah. He, he was a first overall draft pick, 2005, yeah. same draft as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And for a number of years, he just did not have the right coach and the right system, but didn't mm-hmm. mean he was a bad quarterback. Some of these quarterbacks are pretty good. They mm-hmm. just don't have the proper either head coach, offensive coordinator, or scheme, or all the above. Right. And Alex Smith was a perfect example. I loved Mike Singletary as a coach, as a coordinator, but as a head coach, he didn't know how to manage his quarterback. Yeah. Here yeah. comes Jim Harbaugh and says – I, I was a quarterback, and I th- can see something in this kid. And what does he do? He went from being like a third-string quarterback to being a fringe pro bowler and taking his team almost to the Super Bowl. Then he goes to Kansas City, does the same thing, then goes to Washington, and before his injury, he was actually putting up some pretty decent stats. So, again, sometimes you don't have to have the top-tier getting fitted for his gold jacket for Canton quarterback 
But it just, I guess it depends on your scheme. It depends on how your team, how, how your coach is going to use you. You know, I'm going to piggyback on a Tannehill because he's a guy that's kind of grown on me, to be honest with you. Uh, I remember coming out of uh, college, you know, he was a wide receiver at Texas A&M originally. I think the first couple of years, you know, good athlete. And you can still see it to this day and, uh, you know, developed into the quarterback position. But I think he's like above the system quarterback you know, that you hear about a lot, but not quite, you know, to the point where you can say franchise type guy, you know, he's right in that gray area. And so, uh, you know, they got the running game. I'm not sure about their offensive line. Their defense is supposed to be pretty decent. I think they're a little uh, lacking in the wide receiver position. And so, you know, that puts a Tannehill in a situation because he's not a guy that can make things necessarily happen, you know, with his feet in his arm. Uh, like a Patrick Mahomes or something. But I do think he's the type of guy, if if you have everything around him, you know, uh, what do they call that? Like, are, are you a driver of the car or are you, are you like pulling the car? Yep, yep. And he, he's, he's kind of the kind of guy that goes with, if you're supposed to average 22 points a game, he might get you 23. You know, where a Patrick Mahomes might get you 28. You know, yep. and that's a big difference, you know. So, uh and there's another subject matter I want to get to if we get time, maybe near the end, where I think the NFL has got to stop going by um, when it comes to uh, how much you're getting paid on the salary cap by position and more worth like what you're worth at, at, as at, like the running back position, for instance. That's that's something that's really on my mind right now, because, mm-hmm. you know, you got certain tiers at every position. And I, I'm, I'm really starting to get very frustrated how they're like taking the running back position itself and devaluing it. Because you can't tell me when you make it into the playoffs that you you don't need a good running game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you've got to have a running game. That's a, You know, it's a great point because I remembered when Adrian Peterson tore his mm-hmm. ACL and they said he's not going to be done. He's not going to be back for a year and a half. He comes back within a couple of months. I, right. I couldn't believe how quickly yeah, he came back yeah, from that yeah. ACL tear. And not only what did he do after that, he rushed for 2,000 yards. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, yeah. he is your NFL MVP. And yes, yeah. he proved that you do need a good running game. And uh, I think with these teams, the way that I, I, I'm I, this, this could be just me just spitting into the wind here, but this seems like a true analytics type of thing where the system, uh, and again, for folks who haven't heard me talk about this on podcasts, whether it's in baseball, basketball, football, anything, analytics are a great tool, but they should not be the end-all, be-all. And Mm. I think the way that these advanced statistics show that they devalue a running back and say, we can just get a running back in the seventh round who's really hungry and probably do just as good, if not sometimes better than a first round running back. And right, right. I don't know if there's stats to prove that, but I mean, yeah, every so often you get a couple of those sixth or seventh round or undrafted guys who come right. out of nowhere and become a pro bowler. But is that the norm? Is that Does that mean that you, these guys can't get the kind of money, get any kind of guaranteed contract? I think the days of the where they kept saying that a running back only gives you about three years and then they're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I think with weight training, the durability, it, I could be wrong about this. I haven't looked into it. I'm just right. kind of think, talking it through. It seems like these guys are sticking around a little bit longer than they were in the days of the AstroTurf of playing at like veteran stadium. Right. Well, one thing, one thing I wanted to bring up to Tony. Okay. Like I get the analytics, but everything. Okay. I used to play. Everybody played at one time. And there's a there's a fear factor that you cannot put on paper when you're going against, like, say, Eric Dickerson. There's a difference when you're going through an Eric Dickerson and, you know, there's a possibility or like you said, Adrian Peterson, that, you know, of each and every touch of that ball, he can go the distance. Now you have the defense set up uh, like we bring about shorts. Right. I guarantee you if he he would make his he would have his defense set up totally different different between uh, Adrian Peterson and and I have no slight to a fifth round draft pick running back that's productive nothing against it but there's a reason a guy is a hall of famer and a guy went in the fifth round normally in general see what I mean so when you get a hall of fame running back back there now you have your 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 defensive ends totally acting different they're not going to necessarily rush down on the quarterback because they they have to keep the, the corners you know what I mean 
So everybody on defense is on guard. And that's a value which helps your quarterback, which in turn helps everybody else on offense. So what my point is, everything can't be quantitated on just paper. So analytics, I have respect for it. And like you said, it's a piece of the pie. Just like, uh, you know, at, for me as a scout, I feel like the combine is a piece. It might be 15% of the, of the whole pie. The, all the combine is doing is verifying times, basic things. If you got two different guys, you're looking at two different quarterbacks. Okay, how does the ball come out if you're there in person? Things like that. Yeah. But the tape at the end of the day, the verification. Yeah, how many times have we seen guys have a great pro day uh, or have a great combine mm. because they can jump high or they lift a lot of weights? I always right, go back right. to the uh, – if you remember an Ohio State guy, he got drafted by the Jets named Vernon Golston. Vernon oh, Golston. Yeah. I, I think he put up like 2,000 pounds, it seemed like, on yeah. a bench press. He, he was he, literally he, man. Yeah, yeah. He was a yeah. gym rat, but what did yeah, that get him? Yeah. He was out of the league in like two, three years because mm-hmm. it's – you talk about the eye test. Well, that was an example of somebody who only looked at his, his body. They didn't look at his right. body of work. Right. So yeah. that's why I am. I, I every time I talk about analytics, I'm not trying to trash it. I think it's a it's a good tool. No, but you also no. need to have somebody who has either played the game or knows the game to mm-hmm. say, "Look, I've been scouting for 25, 30, 40, 50 years." That right. guy has right. it, and just because you a couple of Harvard guys on a computer, but crunched a couple of numbers and yeah. they said, well, actually, uh, it's like, what are you talking about? You're five foot two yeah, yeah, yeah. and wearing bifocals. Tony, I would love to talk to those analytic guys and, and not as a, a, you know, as a battle, but like what, what I would love or someone like me or, or similar to me to sit down with them because there's no way that you can uh, measure Twitch. Yeah. There's no, there's no way, you know, like for me, for instance, you know, I talked to some of my buddies and we'll be talking and there's such a thing as hidden yardage for a running back. And people might say, what does that mean? That means like, like, for instance, like a Jamal Charles back in the day. Oh yeah. Um, he would get what I call hidden yardage on a consistent basis. That's, that's the yardage that me and you, even, even as, as a scout, I would go, wow. That's that, that's him seeing the vision beyond just the first hole. See what I mean? You, there's no way that you can see that on analytics. And, and and when you're facing somebody like that on a defensive basis, the, <laughs> once again, it's the fear factor. I'll keep it simple. You can't put that on paper. See what I mean? So I have no problem with analytics. And, and I think that's, a, that's an added value to any scouting system because what that can do is help you. Maybe you got 100 guys, right? Okay. It might, it might narrow down. You narrow down to 20 guys. Okay. Out of those 20, these are the type of things I look for with, uh, athletically. Can you put this on a sheet for me? You know, break it down. Who's from one to 10. And then from there, you know, if I got a comparison against two guys, I'm looking to draft, maybe then we'll go by the analytics, you know, maybe that'll be the tiebreaker, but you know, like anything, the scouting part of it is something that's going to be trying through from here till eternity to me. Now, what is in your days of scouting and you've seen right. some high quality athletes, right? That you have been able to, whether it's small colleges, larger colleges is, and you can name names if you want, but has there been something where you're convincing people to say like, look, I've been around this so long. I know that mm-hmm. this kid has it. And then whether a team or some organization goes, yeah, but that's not what we see. And then right. somebody else takes a chance and go like, see, told you, told you. I yeah. said this guy was going to be good, and he's good. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a good example. Uh, currently, uh, last year, Brees Hall came out of <laughs> Iowa State. Now, you know, they were pegging him like a second, third-round type guy. And as soon as I seen him, probably like 10, 15 plays at Iowa State, I knew then he was like not only a first rounder, but like a top 20 tier kind of guy with Hall of Fame instincts. Okay. Now, I don't just throw that kind of stuff around, you know, like I threw around Jamal Charles, guys like that. And so what I mean by that, when when I look at a Brees Hall, not only is he like 6'1", 220, and he did run a 4'3 in the combine, which kind of didn't show up on film, but that was a plus to me. It's the nuanced things that you don't see. It's the instinctive jump step with the combination of seeing like two steps ahead, the defenders coming. 
See what I mean? And after you evaluate for so long, you can see it's almost like looking at a quarterback and looking at, at progressions. You can see it in his head. You can see like when he's moving around with his head and things are just clicking like that. So at the running back position, there's no such thing as you're doing one thing at once. There's a common. Once you get the ball, your your vision is like field wide. See what I'm saying? You're probably just seeing blurs and then your instincts kick in. Then it's just all instinctive. Either you have the instincts or you don't, because I've seen so many running backs. I don't want to name some really necessarily right now. Uh, Trent Richardson. Yeah. If I re- if you remember, that was one of my guys that I, I knew was going to be a bust, but everybody wanted him. Jim the Brown thing was Trent- the first one to sound that alarm bell. Jim Brown oh. is like he's an ordinary yeah, running back. I do remember that. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. like, ah, oh, Jim Brown, the game's passed him by. Uh, I think arguably the greatest, <laughs> not, only, not only running back, but greatest player of all time. And he says yeah. that this guy's yeah. an ordinary running back on draft day. Probably should have listened to him instead of what your dumb numbers had to say. <laughs> They traded up to get him, too. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, like, the, the first thing I noticed with him is feet. His feet. He, he just – he didn't have the feet. And so, at Alabama, one thing I was noticing at the time, they had an awesome offensive line. So, he wasn't really getting any contact for, like, two yards on the average. Well, when you're about 240, you know what I mean? If you got any kind of explosion, that's going to get you another two to three yards. And let's face it, half those guys aren't going to be playing in the NFL. They're going to be bagging up somewhere. So they really don't want the contact. So a lot of times when you see those guys at the college level break off 20, 30, 40-yard runs, that's not going to happen at the next level. No. See what I'm and, well, so, it's, it's funny you mentioned foot size. And uh, yeah. I remember talking to uh, Kendall Lewis, the BSK. And mm, I think you and yeah, I, yeah. rest in peace, Kendall was a great dude. Yeah. And we were he talking about – Chris Wells, Chris Beanie Wells out of Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I remember talking to him at a place you, you and I used to work at with him. And mm-hmm. he said that this guy is, I mean, he's a can't miss player. And I'm like, Kendall, I, I, I'm a nobody, you know, I'm 20, 20 <laughs> something years old. But even I could tell yeah, that right. Chris, he, he was being too much of a homer when it came to Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, this guy, it's Ohio State had a great offensive line. Like almost everybody went pro on that mm-hmm. O line. He had small feet, and it's weird to say that because they, you know you, we always talk about hand size during Twitter or during uh, uh on Twitter and everything else during um, the online. Yeah, but yeah. foot size, he didn't have that, and then he was I think he got drafted. It was like the last player picked in the first round of the two thousand. Oh, you talking about Beanie? Beanie, yeah, yeah, yeah Beanie yeah, Wells. Yeah. And it just – it was one of those cases of sometimes when you hear these things like hand size and foot size. It kind of did ring true, and he was out of the yeah. league. Now, again, really nice guy. I've got a chance to meet him and know yeah. him a little bit, but I just it just didn't work out because he didn't have that. I, I don't know whether they tangibles or intangibles. I forgot what the, which. You know, again, I think with him it was the foot speed. You know what I mean? Like he didn't have the quick twitch to change uh, directions good, but he definitely was the guy you went walking off the bus first. Oh yeah. You know he fit the combine. That's what I mean by the combine. That's why. It's like really like a dog and show thing, you know what I mean? And so a lot of times, you know, guys will rip off a nice 40 or they'll do, you know, something on the bench press. But I look at it on the tape and I go, mm, that don't correlate. You know what I mean? So that's why I don't – I really don't go by too much on the combine, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, you know? Now, as a scout, and this is a good transition. We can go away from the NFL talk a little college. But right. this one kind of is a bridge between the two because we see this in other sports about – certain trends that pop up. I'll say this in the NBA where just a few years, uh, well, let's go back 10 years that the three pointer in the NBA was kind of, I don't want to say a novelty because you still had Reggie Miller. You had Ray at Ray Allen, a bunch of other players who, who could hit threes. But in college, it got to a point where the trend was we are setting up plays to shoot threes instead of, mm-hmm. Hey, he's open. There's nobody around. I'm going to shoot a three. It's, not only am I going to set a play up, but it's a higher percentage shot than it would be if he stepped in a couple of feet inside the three-point line. So in football, there's always trends as well. And we were mentioning some of these guys that are linebackers, and they're running uh, insane amounts, <laughs> like these 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 40-yard dashes. A linebacker's yeah, yeah. running like a 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, something. And yeah. you're like, what? 
That, that is un, pre Lawrence Taylor, pre Ray Lewis. That was unheard of. A linebacker didn't go that. Well, way. let me let me. I, I got to jump in on this one, Tony. So as as an evaluator, I had to change up the way I looked at things to a point because, as you know, you know, this is what this is what I. I'm, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what I was going to ask you. Like, how yeah. do you change that as a scout? As as trends Man, and that. as body frames change. It, it, it really sucks because now, <laughs> here's the thing. Coming up, a strong safety at 6'2", 225 was perfect. You know what I mean? I mean, that's, you know, as long as they had the instincts, they come down, they do what they do. Now, that's that's like one of your starting linebackers, literally. Yeah. I mean, you, you at the pro level, you do see guys at 230, 235 on a regular. Now, the thing I was going to say is, just like anything, not just with football, but in life, uh, like the fro used to be in, right? Okay. <laughs> Eventually that fro is going to come back. <laughs> I hope it. I hope it waits off a while because I, you know, but uh, so I figure you know the running game is going to come back in transition, like everything else. You see what I mean? Uh, because defensive coordinators are going to shut this stuff down with all the passing. It happens with every trend. It might take another five years. I don't know, but it's going to get shut down, and eventually we'll go back to the running back situation. Maybe not quite like it was, you know, where you got one bell cow getting 20 something, you know, carries. But what I'm saying is, so if you go back to the running back and I hope we get the fullback back, you know, I got, I, I got, Oh, I love the fullback. You know, that's like my favorite position. We could talk about that off the camera one time, go like three hours talking about the fullback position, Tony. But anyway, so if we ever get back to where we got the running back and the fullback leading the way, well, what that's going to bring on, you're going to need them heavier linebackers. And so there's going to be a transition. Now, the D line's the D line. You got to be big. You got to be quick. The D ends might be a little bit different than they used to maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, but but at the end of the day, inside the interior, never, never changes. You got to be quick. And, and I will say over the years, those guys, man, not only they have the same strength, but the quickness and the hand technique. I mean, there's just not too many guys anymore where you're going to be able to – you don't bring the lunch pail and have to deal with them. So, yeah, getting back to what we were talking about, I did have to adjust because, like I said, the, the when did we hear about slot cornerbacks 10 years ago? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like, when I'm on a program here, I'll talk about slot cornerback, but at the end of the day, they're still a cornerback to me. You know what I mean? Now, a slot cornerback might be uh, somebody can take care of business in a tighter area, right? You gotta you gotta be able to shut down things quick. Put it this way: you gotta be able to defend an Edelman, Julian Edelman, yeah. on a consistent basis, which is an easy thing to do. So you gotta press quick. You gotta throw them off wherever they're trying to go and have good physical contact. It's somewhat like the old time corner, but uh, you know, out on the corner. You don't have to necessarily. You have to be able to deal with more space, which 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 takes different instincts and characters and things characteristics that you're looking for. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you, Tony, if you're, I always told somebody, if I can get two all pro strong safeties, right, without a free safety, instead of having like two general free safety and a traditional strong safety, give me the two strong safeties as that are pro bowlers because. There's normally a reason they're pro bowlers. They got instincts. So, yeah, we might get hit over the top a few times. But at the end of the day, by the middle of the third quarter, you're not going to want to throw around them. You understand? So it all balances out. So what you're looking for is playmakers, really. And what we've seen in the last – when you were talking about fullbacks, it almost seemed like we took the fullback and turned him into a tight end. And then now these offenses are geared up to having like two to three tight end sets. Sometimes yeah. they work. Again, it depends on the quarterback. Yeah. Um, but we went away from more like a, a tandem backfield and eye formation to, mm-hmm. hey, we're just gonna we're just gonna put the uh, quarterback with an empty backfield. Even put our uh, our running back is now a receiver too, and he's yeah. just gonna kind of drop back yeah. a little bit. You'll have trips right. You put all our receivers, and you have all these tight ends that. Yeah. And and that was another thing that it, we were talking about different trends where Eric Coriel, a tight end, 
was a blocker. It was just basically a glorified blocker who may yeah. get a look in the end zone. And then when you had Kellen Winslow getting <laughs> getting passes from Dan Fouts and people waking up and saying, uh-oh, I think we could use tight ends yeah. here. And then yeah. Tony Gonzalez and, of course, what you've seen with Gronk and right. uh, other great tight ends over time. But that revolutionized the position. Now every team has multiple tight ends that mm -hmm. are being used. And I don't see that trend going away anytime soon because they're, a tight no. end has the stereotype of being a lot more sure-handed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, regardless of the passing game slows down or not, you're not going to get rid of the Kelseys. Because yeah. Oh, yeah. Right, right off the top, I mean, that's a mismatch. I mean, the linebacker for the most part, cannot deal with that type of wiggle and the movement. And, and a cornerback, a defensive back, for the most part, they're going to get overpowered. And they're, you know, the, the, just the height alone. So when you got, and of course, Kelsey's the exception, but around the league, the, similar guys are not the exception compared to him. I mean, we're getting, I mean, we're getting some guys that are, you know, athletically similar, or they maybe they just don't have Pat Mahomes to have them throwing the ball to. So, you know, the Kelsey types, I don't see that. If anything, is is getting more peripheral at the collegiate level. I mean, you're starting to put your better athletes that are 6'4 and up at the tight end position over defensive spots. You know what I mean? So I, I can see where at one point, sooner or later here, that tight end position is going to start getting 15, 20 million too. Because, you know, it, it's becoming an important situation to have. It really is. Um yeah, and, that, and that's where you wonder what's going to happen with receivers. You're not going to pick receivers in the first round. You're going to pick right. a tight end in the first round. Right. Your, your right. receivers are going to – we might be – the way we talked earlier about running backs, we might be hearing about receivers in the next couple of years. I see it because – okay, look at look at any offense, right? Are there more receivers or tight ends? There's I mean, normally more receivers, you know? Normally. You can, find, you can find more guys under six foot than at six four, just like with the linemen. If you get an injured lineman on your offensive line, that the likelihood of that guy replacing him, the percentages ain't good. Because how many six 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 eight guys we got three hundred pounds that can run under five five seconds? I mean, it, you know what I mean. So it's just just common sense. So I don't see where the tight end position is going to become. It's going to become even more more of a, a need, you know, because if you don't have one, you're already at a disadvantage going into the game. To me. Oh, yeah. I mean, so let's uh, let, let's transition into college and what you and I have been talking about through text and what basically everybody in the country is talking about in college football right now is Coach Prime, yeah, is Deion yeah, Sanders. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, uh, you, you have Colorado who had one win last season. He comes in there with a lot of fanfare and he's already doubled it. They're two and oh right now. Uh, Deion Sanders, uh, is, is he an unconventional type of coach or is he something that is this is like, what is it? What exactly is he doing? Cause, but whatever it is, I love it. And everybody seems to really enjoy it. That's why college game days in Colorado and everybody's yeah, yeah. It, there's so much fanfare. Uh, I watched that Nebraska game. And even though I thought Colorado played a little sloppy, I mean, they just dominated Nebraska in they every did, facet. Yeah. And yeah. how, so how do you have some, someone like Deion Sanders who didn't he get rid of like 60 players? 70. <laughs> you know, 70. Like, unbelievable. I mean, Kicked them yeah. over the curve in one off season. And all of a sudden doubled their win, win total from last year in two weeks. Talk about that impact that he has had. And I, I guess how can an impact be made that quickly? Because usually you see a coach that takes over a program and they have like a kind of struggle the first year and then the second year is an improvement and then the third year. And when you start to see his recruits take hold that those freshmen finally become upperclassmen, you're like, uh-oh, hey, that's my recruit from what my first year. Instead, he, he seems to have turned this team around pretty quick. Well, you know, uh, when you when you talk about Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, I would say the last word you want to say is traditional. Yes. <laughs> and I mean that I mean that in a good way. I mean, when he took over, I had high hopes for him. Now, there, hey, for me to say that I thought it was going to be quite to this accomplishment this early, no way. But but the one thing I like about him is is that I knew he was confident. I, I knew that he had an, an eye for talent. I didn't know it was this sharp because I'm going to tell you, you know, at, at this point, the guy knows talent. I mean, let me go back a little bit. About 15 years ago, I was invited to Akron. 
I actually met Deion Sanders. And uh, at the time, you know, he was big in Texas with the high school players. And so he took a group of his best Texas guys and brought them down to Akron against some of the Akron guys. And, and they beat him pretty bad. Um, but the, the bottom line is um, they were very talented. I got to meet him. Um, I wasn't – I put. I'll be honest with you, Tony <laughs> – I wasn't impressed with maybe necessarily how the kids were uh, flaunting how they were winning, but yeah. but the bottom but the bottom line is they did, they had good technique, uh, they were coached well, and so uh, that was always stuck in my mind. So when he took over this Colorado team, I knew in my mind that he didn't just pick any team just to pick them. He had to have somebody that was going to back him because he's not the traditional type of guy. Somebody was going to back him if he got rid of 70 players and say, hey, I got this. And do you have me? And once they gave him that, OK, I knew it would take maybe one or two years. But this is exceptional, Tony. This yeah, and it's already a great story, even if yeah. it doesn't work out. Like he's changed story. already with how, how you're going to go about building teams, because now this is what I'll give you an example. I love Ohio State. There are some guys on the bench right now. On Ohio State, that should be starting. No question. Now, I don't want to get into particulars about it, but but a lot of it has to do with you know. I hear a lot of this. Well, he deserves to start over this guy. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you, Tony. That's cold work for where well, the guy's been in the program three years. Tony, them days are over, man. No, nope. this is yeah, big exactly. business. Yeah, I mean, this, this isn't Coach K at Duke anymore. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, if you got a five star guy that is projected to be a first he's a three-year and done top 20 type guy and i'll just put it to you this way i don't want to get into no names but he's going he's going to be going into his third year next year he was a top what 10 recruit and he's only seen like maybe five snaps i mean yeah I, I, now look I, you know i've seen him in spring ball and i'm gonna tell you man i know my talent the guy should be starting you, you see, so I'm not, I'm just using Ohio State. What I'm getting to is this is perfect for Coach Prime. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. because I'm going to tell you, he's going to snap them type of guys up real quick. It's a and great it's recruiting gonna, it's, tool. Uh, man, it's going to get worse and worse now for other teams. Well, I, I, I want to bring that up. That, that'll be my next question. But I think right. what's interesting about with, with Deion Sanders as, as a head coach is usually you get a lot of these in every sport. You mm -hmm. rarely get a coach who's a good coach that was also a great Hall of Fame talent. Like yeah. You see it in baseball. I think Ted Williams was a hitting coach and a manager. Not really that good. You would think, right. oh, Ted Williams, last guy to hit 400, he'd be a great mm -hmm. coach. Look at no, Magic Johnson. Look at Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson, perfect example. Yeah, yeah. Larry Bird was a pretty good coach for a little bit. So the Pacers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, but uh, for the most part, a lot of these great players it whatever they do it just doesn't translate it's almost like yeah. look i did it my way you do it my way too because it worked for me and it's like well coach it doesn't always work that way well you know i heard what magic a lot of times like say the point guard he would throw a pass and he goes why didn't you see that what see that he, yep. he there's a reason you're magic johnson you you know what i mean so a lot of times they don't have the insight and on what the players seeing you know that you're that you're coaching but like with Coach Prime, man, I tell you what, the beautiful thing, he's putting things into action. Remember, like uh, with, with the uh, defensive back, he's got them playing both sides like he said. You don't think that's – dude, that's like the best recruiting pitch you could possibly – do you know how many like great athletes there are out there? Oh. I mean, that are like begging to play offense and defense? It don't have to be like 100 snaps a game, but – if. If, if let's say you're like a, a linebacker, right? That's the awesome linebacker. And Coach Prime tells you, look, man, you're going to be my starting linebacker as long as you do this, this, and this. But I'm also going to get you on tape so that you can play some offense a little bit. You don't think that's going to have him go to uh, Colorado instead of another college? Tony, come on, man. I, I mean, you know, we're in this new territory in college football. It, yeah. it, well, it's college sports in general, but especially college football where mm – -hmm. Uh, you have you have guys getting paid now. That's a huge, huge, huge NIL, deal. baby. NIL. NIL. And then yeah. you have um 
the way the conferences where it's just it's basically right now it's like two big conferences and a couple of con- other like mm-hmm. yeah whatever and then everybody right. else almost like, like the mac you know what i mean yeah you got the big 10 you got the sec and kind of like the mac schools yeah Somewhere. pretty much it's like the you know the, the what they did with the the pac 10 or pac 12 and wow. uh, the big 12 i was going to call them the big yeah. eight uh, it's changing all different acc yeah. has like one team and that's basically it and everything's just going to get swallowed up i mean and why are we sick. still calling the big 10 by the way <laughs> yeah exactly it hasn't been the big 10 in what how many years since they invited the state I don't, I don't, yeah <laughs> and when i think of big 10 i think of Ohio, Indiana, Michigan. Yeah, Instead, yeah. we have Rutgers, we have Maryland, we have USC, we have UCLA. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? See, the, the West Coast part of it, just like that. I, look, I'll bring them on. It's all good. But somehow that don't correlate with me. West Coast. Big yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. I like the one West Coast trip that they'll make, like a like a, a team on the East Coast will, yeah. you know, USC yeah. Yeah. play at the old Coliseum, right. uh, maybe once every five years, ten years or something. Yeah. That was kind of a novelty, yeah. but not in the conferences. And the reason for the conferences, it was more regional. It was these guys, mm-hmm. these guys weren't making any money. And you'd load up the bus and you say, instead of going out to, oh, I don't know, Los Angeles, California, if you're going from Columbus, Ohio to Bloomington, Indiana, okay, it's what, a three-hour drive on the bus? Right, it's right, okay. And then right, you come back right, and right. you work on your studies at night. Now yeah, it's like, yeah. it's, it, I will say, though, there's interesting storylines, but also at the same time, I look at, it, it, it's a possibility for some of these lesser teams that they can cash in on some of these players that might yeah. not be picked by an Ohio State, an Alabama, yeah. a Clemson, that they may go to a lesser team, or I should say lesser school, but let's be mm-hmm. honest, lesser team too, and make a couple of extra bucks here and there. So it's really changing before our eyes, and I don't know where I don't know where this is going to la- end up you, in ten years. You know, I'm laughing because I, I tell you know what I really love about this. Now we're really going to truly find out who the best recruiters are. That's true. We're, we're going to find out because here's the thing, like West Coast, East Coast, that all oh, that's that's blown out the that has nothing to do with anything anymore, and so now you know with Coach Prime doing what he's doing, I, I'm telling you, man. Either okay, like look at Dabo Sweeney. He's not even getting kids out of the portal. They just got beat the other day. You know what I mean? Yep. You can see the transition happening. Now I understand he's old school, and 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 you know they talk about like hey how they do things in Clemson, and I'm all for, I'm a traditional kind of guy, and I'm sure Prime is. You know he's a hard worker. He's a Hall of Famer, but. There's such a thing as Tony. You have to move with the times, or or you get past. Look at Nick Saban. He had an opportunity to bring another quarterback in. Why they didn't, I don't know. They tried to get the quarterback from North Carolina. He didn't want to come. I'm sure they could have got somebody else. And I'm going to tell you, it's it's starting to look like a little bit of a red flag, because I'm going to tell you, two three years ago, I wouldn't have seen Nick Saban sitting on his morals. You yeah, know what I mean? Sure. And just and just, you know, I, and just like with the offensive coordinator, I, you know, I'm not trying to put him down, but he's not like, you know, the top of the top like he used to bring in. So I think you're starting to see like, you know, things starting to balance out, you know, and well, it, like it, and it's funny because when you and I when you and I first met, I remembered us talking mm-hmm. about this with a couple of our coworkers at the time about Rich Rodriguez, which it didn't work out in Michigan, but. Yeah. What the fear of Rich Rodriguez, he was going yeah. to bring this spread offense that yeah. was this new concept to the Big yeah. Ten because look, I don't mean to catch the- off. I don't mean it, but think about Purdue. Yep. Back in the day. You know what I mean? And they had uh what was his name? Uh the Hall of Famer that went to the Saints. Oh, Drew Brees. Brees. That was roller skates on football at the time, they said. And they said it would never work. They ended up winning the Big Ten. Yep. I mean, the Big Ten for such a long time had the it was the notion of being three yards in a cloud of dust. Yeah. It was it, who, who came out of the big 10. It was a great quarterback. What, you know, n- not really that many people. It was nah. usually these corn fed linemen from Iowa, right. Michigan right. state. And rich Rodriguez comes on board and says, I'm going to institute my offense here at Michigan. Now, again, it didn't work out, but other teams like Ohio state went, 
had to adapt to the times, which yeah. is when yeah. they went from the days of Todd Beckman and Craig Krenzel to, hey, there's this kid from Jeanette, Pennsylvania, who could really turn our team around. And he, it did, and Terrell Pryor. Yeah. And other teams started going, uh-oh, if Ohio State is getting away from three yards in a cloud of dust, mm-hmm. now we have to find our Terrell Pryor and everybody mm-hmm. else. And like we talked about, football, just like all the other sports, are a trendy sport. And when one yeah. person says, I'm coming in here, I'm going to change things, it's it, it, it. other teams are going to follow suit. So what we're seeing just two weeks into the uh, college football season with Coach Prime at Colorado, you're going to see a lot of teams try to find their own Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yeah, not only just nice. finding a former, because that's a, that's the a difference. It's not you're you're not just finding a Hall of Famer who decided he wanted to get into coaching because, eh, I could do broadcasting, I could do whatever. Right, right. I guess I'll do coaching. Right, you right. found a guy who's this dedicated and wanted yeah, to help. Yeah. So now you have to find your coach prime. That's not just somebody who just wants to get into it because, yeah, I got my gold jacket. I want to do something else. It's yeah. you no. Know, are you dedicated to try to helping turn kids' lives around, like what he was well, doing down in Texas? Before I, I, I don't. I don't think Tony people realize how much, how much like uh, coaching history, head coaching history that that Coach Prime has. I mean, yeah. this, this has been maturing since the high school days and coming through the pipe. I remember uh, he wanted to get a. A team at the NFL level, and nobody would give him a head coaching. He was somewhat joking, but not really joking. He said, "I'm ready," but nobody wants to give me the shot. So that's when he went to Jackson State, and he did turn that around. You can say whatever you want about HBCU, whatever. Everybody's playing at the same, you know, same level. Oh yeah. At the end of the day, he kind of dominated down there, Tony, in a short period of time. And so I'll give Colorado. Man, they might have been a little bit desperate, but hey, whatever. I mean, it was Colorado. At the end of the day, they did it. You know, like Tom last Brady. Time we talked about Colorado footballs so with Cordell Stewart. Look at Tom Brady. Like, right? People say, "Oh, if they knew he was like that good, they would have took him in the first round." Man, maybe they should. I don't know. But the bottom line, they drafted him. I mean, that's you, that's I, true. So, I mean, Colorado brought him. How come Michigan State didn't do it? How come? You, I mean, a number of teams. So, I got to give Colorado credit. You know, and, and they embraced him. And, you know, so that's a whole nother thing. I mean, there's a lot of these uh, predominantly um, top 10 teams that even to this day, even the, I don't care what happens for the rest of the year with Colorado, they could go above 500. And there's still going to be teams that are so traditional, they probably wouldn't still give them an opportunity. And, and that's a beautiful thing because what's going to end up happening, they're going to fall behind. And the packing order is going to – I'm just telling you, you know, just like I brought up earlier about the the five-star at Ohio State, that's all across the country, okay? So what's going to end up happening, these guys in their head, when they're that good, I mean legitimately good, they're thinking three years, Tony. They don't want to hear a red shirt. So, like, if, if, if they're coming in that year, like I'll give Georgia a lot of credit. There's a reason they're winning. If you're a freshman that can bring it, even if you're not starting, you're getting a lot of reps. That's true. And, yeah. and these recruits are talking. They're talking. And with like and like we said about NIL and with this transfer portal, I mean these these kids are. I, you're going to see a lot of a change because <laughs> yeah. I just I kind of felt in the last ten years since they implemented this playoff system which you know mm-hmm. four playoff teams was like eh, okay yeah, yeah. there's like a lot of politics that was going yeah. involved with some of these like fringe like oh but they had two losses but their losses were to this team but yeah this team's undefeated it, it was it's a like, quality loss what does that mean <laughs> exactly so so I, I would i would see this and it just seems so top heavy because it was like yeah. the same three to four teams every single year and maybe this is the opportunity that it gives the Colorados, the, you know, mm-hmm. I, I look, it's, it's Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, but when was the last time anyone's talked about Michigan football until two yeah. years ago? Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of other schools that have an opportunity because of this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is this good for the sport? Is it good for the game? And I, I mean, right now, as I say this in September of 2023, I hope it's good for the game. <laughs> right. I, you know, I got to tell you as, as a fan, I kind of like it. You know what I mean? Because because what I, I think what's gonna end up happening it's gonna be one of two things. You're gonna get the Deion Sander types that are just gonna proliferate the talent. 
or, you know, with NIL opportunities and all the other things, you know, if, if people start having the right hiring process and bringing in the right people, I think the hiring process is the main thing, Tony, that we're, yes. that we need to talk because you're going to put it this way. Somebody in Colorado has to be an out the box thinker, you know, that, 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 could, that it had, uh, that could pull the punches because normally you don't get, someone like a Deion Sanders, unless there's somebody behind the table that's like a similar to Deion Sanders. So to like a lot of these, uh, I don't know, not chaotic, but uh, older institutions that are predominantly top 15 teams, if they don't adjust uh, via Clemson, uh, you're going to be part of the dodo bird. You, you see what I mean? So oh, yeah, it's, it's like how, what was the last time anybody's talked about Florida state, for example, one of those classic schools yeah. that didn't stay up with the times. And then they yeah. kind of just, they're a, they're a six. Loss what since Deion Sanders. They, they, well, they, they did win with Jameis Winston, but yeah, that was yeah. kind of a fluky yeah. year. That was yeah. the, I think that was the final year of the BCS. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that I mean, we haven't heard, we haven't talked about Texas in a while. We haven't yeah. talked about USC in a while. We haven't talked about UCLA in a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, every so often they have decent quarterbacks that come from the program, and maybe they make a nice bowl game. But again, making a bowl game kind of lost its meaning over time too. Yeah. When you're playing in the Motel Six Cactus Bowl, okay, great. <laughs> Who's that for other than your parents get to fly to like And you know, Phoenix? the Motel Six really make the money off that. I, I always wonder about that. Well, I mean, they leave the light on for you at the stadium. Well, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And you get a, a, a cube of sugar too at the end of the day, I think, don't you? Something like that. Well, you know what's funny? I, I, I covered the, um, uh, it's, I don't know what it is now, the Quick Lane Bowl or whatever it's up the in Blue Detroit. Bonnet? I, did, I did that a Do you number remember of years the Blue Bonnet? Up in Detroit? Yeah, I think so, it was the Blue Bonnet. It was, I mean. well, because it used to be the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. Yeah, I remember that. I I, so I got to see um, uh, what did you get to eat little Caesars or what? No, they didn't have any for us. It was hungry wow. Howie's, which I prefer <laughs> over little Caesars, but I'm thinking to myself, this is the little wow. Caesars bowl and they don't even have little Caesars here. Yeah, In fact, when yeah. you went to the stadium yeah. and you did buy uh, little Caesars, you get a pizza for 1750. And I'm thinking, mm. you know, there's a little Caesars down the street from the stadium. That right. Pizza's for five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not guy that would buy those. Yeah, I know. So, but it, you know, it's it, it's so funny with with the way these trends are, and you know, we'll see. Like, I'll I'll have to have you back on the podcast oh, coming man, up later yeah. this year. We'll talk about bowls. Yeah. We'll talk about the Motel Six Cactus Bowl and the others. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and, bring me up maybe about five six weeks from now. We can talk some Colorado because you know something's going to happen one way or the other. For oh sure. yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to it, but uh, so first down scouting. Uh, where, what's yeah, the website? Yeah. Where can we listen to you, read you, uh, everything yeah. else, Kevin? Yeah, first down scouting, like it sounds, one st down scouting dot com, and uh, Twitter uh, first down one st down uh, underscore scout, and that's mainly where I'm really active. So if somebody wants to get a hold of me, I post a lot of my profiles on there a lot. I'm not on too much of the other social media, and I'll be starting my YouTube. People have been okay. pushing me for that, so. I'll definitely be pumping that out for you. But, uh, man, I appreciate coming on the platform, man. I really appreciate talking to you because it's been a long time and you're a quality guy. So anytime you want. Well, I pre- appreciate it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely we'll definitely have you back on or I will. Uh, but we might have to get yeah. you on our football podcast to get some picks, too, because we've. Oh, uh, yeah. We've yeah. been uh, our, our football podcast, which is called the Rack Me Football Podcast, with my buddy Chad Zumbach and Ken Mosca. Is that we we kind of okay. it, it ends up turning into us um, mentioning random former players back in the day, <laughs> like you know who was Earl, in my head, Earl Morrill. Like I think we set the record for Earl Morrill references last yeah. year during the podcast. Hey, guess and, what I was thinking about at work today? What's that? Bob Sanders. I was thinking about Bob Sanders. Remember Bob okay. Sanders? I do. Yeah. I mean, the random my, uh, thoughts come up in my mind. I mean, I'll be talking to somebody at work and I'll say, Bob Sanders. They'll say, what? I say, oh, don't even worry about it. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I, it's just, yeah, I love turning it into just random players. Like yeah. you say, like, uh, like I think I mentioned with Arizona, like Arizona seems like they're tanking this year. Is Jake Plummer still their quarterback? Right. And then oh, you just start man. going along the lines. Is, is Matt Leinart there? What about Kurt Nate Warner? Snake. Wow. And then wow. you could talk about uh, the other Kurt Warner, the one who played for the Seahawks back in the day. Uh-huh. So it's just, it, uh-huh. it turns into that. And then we pick our games. So, uh, yeah. If it wasn't for that blown, hey, Tony, if it wasn't for that blown out knee, right? That's right. Kurt Warren. Well, the, the, all of them. When they you play in that King Dome and, um, oh, man. and you, you think about some of these some of these guys like Barry Sanders and others who could yeah. have had amazing careers. Uh, I, I got a chance to get to know Ricky Waters a little bit. Man, I he, you know he was one of my under the radar. He still don't get the credit to me, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, well, because he was the next after Roger Craig. Yeah, and Ricky Waters yeah. was a great, great pass catching really and yeah. route uh, you know route running. Uh, running back the, in yeah. the vein of a Roger Craig. And then he goes over to Philadelphia and it just starts tearing up his knees. You know, he's playing I, on that I, turf. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but he might've been like, kind of like him and Roger Craig was like that first phase of the multi, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. He was, now that it, you say Roger, that. Roger Craig should be in the hall of fame. Why he's not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Cause didn't he get a hundred catches? hundred. Yeah. I mean, him, Ernest, on, Ernest Biner was another one who yeah, learned a lot. Yeah. I mean, these were these were ahead of their. What about Eric offense. Metcalf as a returner alone? He sh- I mean, don't don't start me, Tony. We I'll be, I'll be on here for three hours, we, man. We, we had some great Eric Metcalf stories back in the day. I, think uh, was, I don't know if you were with us in those days, but uh, my God, uh, but there, there it was a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, no, we'll 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 definitely do this again, Ken. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, go to yeah. First Down Scout and go check him no out. Doubt, He's uh, no uh, and a great follow on Twitter and or X or whatever they want to call it nowadays. But Ken Ken Bex, thank you for joining the Check Your Brain podcast. And if you enjoyed it i am on patreon at patreon.com slash tony mazer if you want more podcasts if not you get another free podcast with me coming up next wednesday thanks everybody for checking out the show and uh yeah uh i'm all over the place on rumble and youtube and everything if you want more content why would you but (laughs) thanks everybody thanks for listening bye everyone